This is Transistor.fm. Hey, folks, this show is sponsored by Alitu.com. You know, the hardest part about making a podcast is actually recording and editing it, making it sound good. This is what Alitu does. Uh, you can go to their site, A-L-I-T-U.com, and watch them do the full process, uploading, editing, producing, and publishing an episode. All of that can be done in just a few minutes. Hey everyone, welcome to Build Your SaaS. This is the behind the scenes story of building a web app in now 2019. I'm John Buda, a software engineer. And I'm Justin Jackson. I'm a product and marketing guy. Follow along as we build Transistor.fm. Happy New Year, John. Happy New Year to you. It's hard to believe it's 2019. It is hard to believe. We took a little bit of a break we did. over the holidays. We did. And we're back. Uh, and we actually have a little bit of thing going on. I've called this clean in 2019. Yeah. So uh, this is something I kind of pitched you on uh i've been feeling like we're you know we're at about five thousand dollars monthly recurring revenue right now yeah and i really want us to hit 10 that's kind of the next major milestone and so i thought you know what to give myself an incentive i'm going to quit drinking alcohol until we hit ten thousand dollars mrr and then i told you about this and you said, well, maybe I'll do that too. Yeah. It sounds like a good idea for a number of reasons. Yeah. Yeah. And actually <laughs> just to dive into this a little bit. Um, so, and I think you've got different reasons than me even, well, maybe there's some overlap, but uh, I like drinking. Drinking is something I've probably do two to three times a week. Uh, but there's a few things that made me feel like I wanted to give it up to start the year. First of all, <laughs> I read this article about how alcohol is basically a depressant mm -hmm. and meaning it, it, it can make you feel more down. It's a, it's a downer. Yeah. And we've talked quite a bit about mental health on this show. And I think one of the things I wanted to do is to give myself a better chance of having good mental health in 2019. And if I'm continuously putting something into my body that makes me feel down, uh, maybe I should try to change that. <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. I mean, that's, yeah, that's one, yeah, same. I have the same thoughts. One of, that's one of my reasons for thinking about it too. And, and the other thing is just how much, uh, so for example, we have a thing called Geek Beers uh, here in Vernon. We do it once a month. It's awesome. It's like we all get together. We have a bunch of drinks. But the next morning, hmm. I never feel good. Oh, yeah, no. And th this idea of like, if you were getting ready to run a race, you know, every day. Well, you're, you're getting, you are ready, I getting am. ready. To yeah, I am. I will be getting ready soon. <laughs> so, like, but, you know, this work we're doing, uh, Jason Cohen, the founder of WP Engine, says, you know, bootstrapping is already hard. So why do we sometimes make it harder? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, in the right, I, I think with alcohol, it's it's uh, it's a temporary fix. It feels good and temporarily. I I mean, you know, it feels good 
alcohol tastes good. I, you know, it's great. But and actually, I've already seen how hard this might be because I I drink on New Year's Eve and then it was pretty easy for me to eliminate it from my house because I was just like, okay, I'm just not going to drink anymore. But the other day we were snowboarding uh, with a bunch of friends and afterwards you invariably end up in the pub. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I, it's, you know, everyone's going around ordering their drinks and I ordered a virgin Caesar. Do you, do you know what a Caesar is? I don't know what a Caesar is. Oh, uh, it's uh, the Canadian version of a Bloody Mary. Okay. Instead of tomato juice, you use Clamato. Oh, I hate that stuff. <laughs> I guess you got to be a Canadian to like this. Uh, um, you got to try one sometime. Okay. It's, it's a, it's a, I think it's also, it uses War- Worcestershire? Worcestershire? Yeah. Wor- sauce? Wor- it, yeah. Is that Bloody Mary too? Worcestershire? Worcestershire, that's right. <laughs> Can somebody please leave us a voicemail? Transistor.fm slash voicemail with their, the correct pronunciation. Uh, so let's see here. Oh, yeah. Worcestershire. Okay, so they have the same things, okay. but yeah, a Caesar is uh, with Clamato. Anyway, but instantly, you know, everyone's like, what? Like, what? You're not drinking? And I have to explain, well, yeah, I'm not drinking. I kind of hate that about the social aspect of like even having to explain it. It's like, I just, why do I have to explain it? Yeah, yeah. But I think... That will get easier. Uh, there is also something very powerful about saying about uh, having in your identity, "Oh, I I'm not drinking right now," or "I don't drink." is a is a better one. James Clear has this in his book Atomic Habits, but and I'm going to butcher it a little bit. But people that said I'm trying to quit as opposed to I don't drink mm. uh, were way less uh, successful. But when they assume the identity of a non-drinker, I don't drink, as opposed to someone assuming the identity of someone who's trying to quit or trying to cut back, um, they had more success when they said, no, this is who I am. I don't drink. Yeah, I had a, I had a friend a while ago who, who didn't, he was a developer, uh, didn't drink. I never really asked why, mm-hmm. because like, I, don't, I didn't, you know, it wasn't really didn't really matter to me but like i really i respected him that he didn't and like he would he stuck to it and never did and uh no one really like questioned him or gave him shit it was just like oh okay Mm -hmm. yeah like after a while it's like oh yeah he doesn't he just doesn't drink yeah yeah totally uh and actually i think this episode we're gonna do some predictions for 2019 but i i think i'm gonna add this one to my predictions actually i think that sobriety is going to become a a bigger trend than we've seen in the past. I noticed a lot of folks, more than normal, uh, talking about how they were going sober in January, uh, at least for the month or maybe for the year. As soon as I told some other people about it too, and especially related to some business goals, they were like, you know what, I'm in. I'm going to do that too. So yeah. I, I, think, I think we're going to see more folks doing it. And there's quite a few people that have... Uh, Casey Neistat just did a uh, a big video on why he doesn't drink. Um, yeah, so there's yeah there's, there's some yeah, movement there. There's a lot. There's a number of reasons. You know, there's a lot lot more reports coming out about how much worse it is than they think in general, and uh, it's just like empty calories. Yeah, totally. Um, Actually, and I I just registered 
uh, cleanin2019.com. Nice. So I might, maybe, maybe we'll do something with that as a part of, <laughs> it might just point to a blog post on Transistor or something. I like how, you, yeah, I like how someone on Twitter or I forget where it was, replied and said like, I'm just going to start canceling my account so you never reach 10K. <laughs> so you just like stay. <laughs> uh, well, and maybe I should just keep, stay clean for all of 2019. There you go. But if you are into this, uh, Go to cleanin2019.com and maybe I'll have something up where you can say, hey, I'm, I'm in too. I'm, I'm going to you know, not drink until I reach this milestone or I'm just going to be clean for the whole year. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, you have a note here that says you're disabled. I am, slightly. <laughs> well, it's actually not. Yeah. I, I, so I went snowboarding in December uh, in Canada. I was in British Columbia, but not really close to you. Now, and, it's a big province. Um, it's been a few years since I went. It didn't really feel like I, I was, you know, too out of it, like too rusty. But the weather was weird. There was fog and it was really bad flat light. So you, I couldn't see any terrain. And I wasn't even doing anything crazy. Um, I caught an edge on my snowboard and just like face planted onto my ribs and heard a noise. And I was like, that's either my phone breaking or my rib. So a couple things. I did fracture a rib. Wow. Initially when, initially when I went, they're like, you have a really bad bruise. They took an x-ray and they're like, it's a bruise. Here's some painkillers. And then I got a voicemail later on. It was like, you actually did fracture it. Um, but the process to heal is the same. You just don't just rest. It's going to take longer. So that was super painful. But I also uh, ruptured a tendon in my finger, which is actually more annoying. It doesn't, oh. it never, it didn't hurt. It still doesn't hurt. But I have to wear a splint on my finger for like eight weeks total and uh, hoping it'll heal. And there's a, there's the doctor's like, there's a chance it won't. Uh, usually it does. There's a chance it doesn't. And um, luckily when I was, when this happened, I was with my friend who is an ER doctor. And so I showed him my finger and I'm like, this doesn't look right. He's like, that's, that does not look right. He's like, that's uh that's uh you have a mallet finger, what, what they call it. Um, and it's basically a, he said some medical term, which I don't remember. Uh, but it's basically your, one of your tendons. There's two tendons. There's one on the top of your finger, one on the bottom that like lets you either pull your fingertip down or pull it back up. Oh, and the one on top ripped and I can't pull my fingertip back up, but in order for it to heal, you have to keep it in the same spot for like eight weeks. Oh my gosh. So I can, so how I, are you typing? I can type. It's like, it, I can still bend my, like one of my other knuckles. That's so fine. But it's just annoying. I mean, it's my fault, but it's just, it's annoying. It's a stupid, stupid mistake that like shouldn't have happened. Had the conditions been clear, it'd be fine. And it was just, oh man. Anyway, that, that sucks. Part of getting old, I guess your body just sort of like breaks down a little easier. Yeah. It starts, <laughs> it's starting. It's true. I, I have so many, cause I'm just on the verge of 40 and I have so many friends who are like, man, as soon as 40 hit, it was like, something dramatic happened <laughs> like i i was they're just sore all the time people at work were like ah, i just tell people you're doing like a triple backflip and it went bad and i'm like <laughs> yeah i guess and then other people were like no action sports after 30 yeah like, yeah, okay. yeah yeah i find i mean that the one thing that saved me is i i was pretty easy on my body as a teenager and in my 20s like i have a lot of friends that were in snowboarding especially yeah. that were super aggressive and they've all had knee surgery and other things. 
I'm pretty good in that department, but yeah, I've definitely noticed things hurt a lot longer. Um, so did you listen to any good shows over the holidays? Uh, I did. Yeah. I had some, I had a little bit of travel time. Um, the one that stood out to me was an episode of the Ezra Klein show, which is on, uh, Vox media. And it was with, uh, Hassan Minaj, who's a comedian, um, started off the daily show with Jon Stewart, um, has, has since started his own show on Netflix, Patriot Act, and did a couple of different like stand-up specials on Netflix. Oh, cool. Um, really interesting guy. But he, he um, I'm trying to remember now like what my notes were from this, but it was a really interesting conversation between him and, and him and Ezra Klein, um, just sort of talking about the state of, I don't know, media and how we treat different types of media differently. And like, for instance, like com- why are comics now like supposedly the voice of reason, right? Like they're the ones yeah. like telling the truth <laughs> supposedly like how, 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 how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> that's a good point. There was just, there was a lot of really good back and forth and, and like Hassan Minaj was asking a lot of good questions about, you know, to Ezra Klein and stuff. And um, that is actually a good, that would be a good deep dive for a show because for a while, I felt like that. Like I was kind of looking to comedians to be like the the uh, you know the gurus on a mountain that yeah. were telling the real truth just to about cut society. The bullshit. I mean, you know, part of their job is just observing, making comments about observing this day to day life, and part of that is, you know, the news and ridiculous things that happens in the news. Yeah, but there definitely seems to be a void there that. You know, maybe because we're kind of in a, especially in the Western world, we're becoming a a post-religious society increasingly. And so people are looking for what, you know, you would usually get direction from, you know, a priest or something. Right. But now you're like, okay, well, who can tell me the truth about the world? And there is like, especially with all these... um, you know, there's some comedians that have fallen from, fallen from grace, fallen from you know the heights. They're not. They've they've had some scandals, and mm-hmm. so maybe the, yeah, that that sounds like a good episode. I want to listen to that. Yeah, now. it is. It's really good. Um, I'm I'm probably forgetting something else huge that I I, you know, realized when I listened to it and wrote this down. But, um, yeah, it's a good one. How about you? I'm going to recommend uh, Broken Record, episode one, with Rick Rubin. This is Malcolm Gladwell's new podcast. And I the, the reason I resonated with this one is they talk about Johnny Cash. And there's this thing that I've always struggled with as someone who is on podcasts and blogs and um, has a public persona, how much of how much do I want to be real and vulnerable with people in the open? And how much do I just, how much do people just want a, uh, they just want a kind of a fantasy from the people they look up to. Mm-hmm. And he talks about Johnny Cash in this respect. There's Johnny Cash, the human being. And then there's Johnny Cash, the mythical man in black. Mm-hmm. And my goal was to make, music that always fit the mythical man in black. 
Now, if it fit Johnny Cash, the human being as well, that's fine, but it didn't have to. It was more important that it was this sort of looming cartoon figure of who he was. That's way, but that's sort of interesting. I thought you were going to say the exact opposite. I thought you were going to say my goal was to make music that fit the the human, the human. No, he had he had even done that along the way, not always so successfully. And then I actually had a really good conversation about this episode with Ben Ornstein uh, from the Art of Product podcast, and I'll link that up in the show notes. It's on productpeople.tv. But yeah, it was. Just interesting to to hear Rick Rubin talk about how he decided to uh, relaunch Johnny Cash's career. Oh, nice. Yeah, I actually ended up listening to a couple of those episodes because um, I saw you talking about it. And I hadn't, I hadn't listened to them, but the one about Tom Petty was great. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize there's a whole other record from uh, Wildflowers. Wildflowers that has never been released. Yes. And I, it sounds like they might do it. Yeah. And that's yeah. kind of awesome because that, that, I love that record. Uh, but just Rick Rubin in general is just like such a calming, zen-like dude. I really just want to hang out with him. And I don't know if you've ever seen like video interviews with him where he's like walking around his, what, Shangri-La they call it, his whole like studio. And he's just like barefoot. He's just like, it's like total hippie. You can tell that M- Malcolm Gladwell really likes him yeah and actually broken record in general he is more giddy about everybody he interviews than he is on his other show uh, revisionist history so usually he is quite poised but he's a little he's got a little bit of like fanboy uh in these episodes which might some people might not like but i actually really like it it's it's kind of neat he's he he's interviewed a few people that he's like just you can tell he's just a total fan and yeah i dig it so we're about to get into our predictions for 2019 or some predictions for 2019 but before we do i want to tell you about our second sponsor podcastinsights.com right now if you are thinking about starting a podcast uh this year you might want to check out this 10-day how to start a podcast course they have in it you're going to learn a ton of stuff the basics like recording and editing, what equipment you'll need, how do you promote a show? That's been a, a big question we get all the time. Tips for choosing a name, which is something a lot of people don't consider. Hmm. Um, there's there's a name and your cover art. Yeah. Those are really important. Uh, and this is just an aside. I've been noticing an uptick in the, the shows that uh, are getting noticed without having a built-in audience. They are all keyword-driven shows, meaning the title has a keyword that people are searching for. So check out this course by podcastinsights.com and learn all this stuff. It's, uh, it's free, and you can sign up right on the homepage. Awesome. All right. So 2019 predictions. I wrote down just a bunch of ideas, John, and I yeah, thought we, yeah. would, we would go back and forth on these. You can tell me what you think. Um, so let's uh, let's start with the first one here. I think in 2019 they there will be a global economic downturn. What do you think? Uh, probably so. I think we saw some of that at the end of the year. Did it go down a little bit? I, the stock market went down. The stock right? market did. Yeah, I mean that's not a great indication of really anything. <laughs> yeah. These days, but uh, just I, there's just so much like 
I don't know, there's so much turmoil and like uncertainty everywhere and like trade deals gone bad and like who knows how any of this is going to end up. Well, and you had Apple's uh they they had they they missed their um what do you call that? Right. You know uh, what I'm talking about. <laughs> quarterly prop. Yeah. They only made $85 billion. Yes. Yes. Now, so, you know, there's been some things that are driving the modern economy. And uh, we knew that eventually the gas had to run out for Apple, especially. You can't sell $1,000 phones forever. Eventually, you will have so- sold enough yeah. <laughs> $1,000 phones. Um but yeah, you've got China, and China's economy is not apparently not doing so hot. Again, I don't know a lot about this stuff, but it feels like the voices people have been predicting a downturn for the last couple of years, right? And it just feels like this is probably going to be the year it happens, um, probably. And so this is interesting for us because we're starting a business. We we we've started a business in this uh, in this environment, uh, a business that we would like to uh, support us financially. And so one of the things I was thinking about, this could be an opportunity for us because brands that don't have a strong relationship with their audience will lose, but companies are going to be looking for more affordable ways to reach that audience. Mm -hmm. There's a few companies like, you know, Squarespace and MailChimp, et cetera, that have recognized that, oh, wait, podcasting is a great deal. You know, we put a dollar in and we get a bunch of money out. And I think that could actually play into podcasting's favor, uh, that there will be more companies looking to do branded podcasts, more companies looking to spend, uh, buy podcast ads because they are still a good deal, yeah. uh, despite the high CPMs, meaning they're a good deal that even though you're spending more per thousand impressions, you are getting uh, more in return. So... Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. But it, I think uh, podcasting may benefit from a downturn in the economy. Good. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. 2019 should be interesting in that regard. And the, and the other thing is in terms of consumer spending, you know, you might cancel your Audible subscription, but then what, you know, there's all this free audio you can listen to. And so we might see consumption increase. Um, the, the one thing I, I was wondering... I don't know what you think about this, but I wonder if we'll see the big advertisers advertise less if there's a downturn. Maybe. I mean, it depends how they're doing. And the, I mean, yeah, maybe uh, companies like Mailchimp do good no matter what. Who, I, I mean, it's uh, it's really hard to predict like what industries will be hit by what. I mean, it's yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Read this one I just highlighted there, and tell me what you think about that one. Okay, in 2018, Spotify went from 10 to 25% market share of the podcast player market. That is surprising to me actually. I think it will be I think it will grow again to 35%. So what do you think? Uh probably, honestly, I I I won't I don't particularly want to use Spotify for podcasts, but like I know people I know a lot of people that do because it's there mm-hmm. and they're already they're already they don't they're not hardcore listeners. They don't have a podcast app. They just sort of like hear about shows from friends and then they find it on Spotify. I mean, it's, it makes sense. I know we've been, have, we'd have, we've had a few issues with how they've sort of built out their, <laughs> their podcasting platform in regards to 
you know, rehosting audio and stuff like that. But yeah, um, yeah, that that's why I think this this is an interesting one for us. Is um, we've had some trouble <laughs> with Spotify, and uh, part of the problem is it's a brand new platform, and you know, there's there's been some some tricky pieces I think in them managing this new medium you know that they just added and uh relationship it's it's different than the music industry uh but they treat us i think a lot like they might treat uh a label for example like they have they call the podcast hosting companies aggregators Mm -hmm. and there was some of the way they set that up that hasn't been great for us but i you know i tweeted back in november i said you know Anchor had released some stats that said that Spotify was 19% of their listenership. And, and I was like, what? No way. And Because I looked at our numbers and it was like maybe 1% for our shows. But then I started digging into it a little bit more. And some of our shows have 87% of their listens coming from Spotify. And then people started responding to this this thread and said, uh, actually I listen to Spotify for, I use Spotify for podcasts, especially folks who are on Android. They say it's the best player if you're on Android. Uh, also, uh, you know, podcasting, um, in terms of the, the breakdown between genders, men and women, um, podcasting increased this year to, f- uh, 44% of listeners were women. I think most of that has come from Spotify. Every stat I've seen uh, is that w- women are using Spotify to listen to podcasts much more than than men do. Huh. So because of those two things, I think Spotify is going to continue to grow. People already have it on their phones. Um, you know, People are learning about podcasts and want to start listening. What's the easiest way? Oh, just you know, open up uh, Spotify. So... Uh, I stand corrected on this one. Yeah, I, that's, that's I, surprising I, to me too. I thought that's because no it's new. They really, I mean, they really hit the ground running then. Yes. And it also illustrates how poorly Google podcasts has done. They are uh, still a tiny, tiny percentage of, uh, I think 0.9% or something like that. Yeah. I wonder total listens. It's sort of related to that is like the, 2019 are we going to see more and more like uh, walled gardens or like you know where like google i think and even in spotify they sort of rehost your audio and then there's anchor who sort of you sign up for them and they sort of control your your itunes uh feeds and stuff and like are, i don't know if we'll see more and more of that yeah and it, it's it's worth maybe just explaining a little bit more, uh, Spotify is different than Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts just takes a RSS feed and just points to the MP3 files wherever they're hosted. In the case of our customers, they're on Transistor. Spotify rehosts those MP3 files, meaning they they grab them from the Transistor server and then they host them on Spotify's server. Yeah. They like it because then they can control everything. Right. It probably it. probably add adds in eventually, which is kind of weird. Yeah, eventually they eventually they will insert ads similar to what Stitcher is already doing. Podcast snobs have 
traditionally not like Stitcher because they would resample the content and then down sample um, the audio file. So they would make the audio sound worse and then they would insert ads in there as well. So we'll have to see what Spotify does here. Uh, it We're in a difficult place because clearly they are a partner and you know they're driving a lot of listens for our customers and that's awesome. But there's some parts of it I don't like, but I do think that they're going to increase their market yeah, share. Yeah, they will. I think, you know, they'll, they've probably been getting feedback from a lot of their aggregation partners, as they call them, and I'm sure they're trying to fix things up. But. Yeah, totally. Uh, related, baby, I think podcasting will grow to 800,000 shows, and I'll put an asterisk on this, on Apple Podcasts. So... The the best number I've seen is 619,000 podcasts um, on Apple Podcasts right now. And so that would be quite... Uh, That's an overwhelming number of shows. But I, I, think, I think it'll grow to 800,000. What do you think? Do you think... It, yeah, it, it'll probably keep growing. I mean, I, you know, I don't know if a lot of those will trail off and just die or a lot of those are just dead already. Um, it's hard to say. I've heard that something like 100,000 shows will become inactive in a hmm. given year. So, okay. um, and actually this, this post I'm going to link to in the show notes by the audacity to podcast.com. They've said, uh, when he, when he looked through all of, you know, all the iTunes shows, uh, there was 372,000 podcasts that had no published episodes in the past three months, hmm. as opposed to 229,000 podcasts that had published in the past three months. That's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I wonder if we'll see some sort of content bubble where people are just like, well, that was a fun experiment. Yeah. It, it, it continues to become this question. You know, uh, I've had a few meetings with investors uh, in the past month who are interested in Transistor. And one of the questions they ask is, you know, is... What's going on with podcasting? I've kind of had two minds about it. One, having less shows is actually an advantage in some cases because it's easier to stand out. There's like 35 million YouTube channels or something. And, you know, so comparatively, podcasting is small. And, you know, it's still possible for a show to get into the top 10 um, you know, without having a huge budget, without it, it's still kind of possible. Whereas YouTube is very, very competitive. So that could be an advantage. On the other hand, you do want to see the medium grow. You want to see, you know, uh, it, you want to give people choice. You want there to be, you know, more show, more interesting takes on podcasting. And as you've noticed, actually, you had a meeting with some folks and they were saying like podcasting, like there's some podcasts that are just, you know, very, very small. They're very small. They're, they're like, uh, it's almost like a private audio channel. They don't really care how many people listen to it. They just, they just want, they either want it to be out there or need it to be out there for some other reason. And yeah. Similar to how you might have like a, uh, uh, internal newsletter for a professional organization. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's like, whereas that is the, whereas that is a portion of the printed world podcasts are a portion of the audio world. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it was an interesting take on it. One that one that was obvious once I heard about it, but like immediately wasn't wasn't like, oh yeah, right. And so in that case, podcasting can still grow a ton. You know, there, people are going to be, you know, these organizations need to publish. Okay, here's our news article, and here's our newsletter. And oh wait, people are also listening on you know headphones or in their car or on the go, and so we're also going to use that channel to reach them. There's still lots of room there to grow, so it could be good. Could be okay. Here, here's one that could be controversial: smart speakers will not have a big effect on podcast consumption. Uh, I know that they're becoming more popular. They they were one of the most popular uh, consumer electronic devices in 2018. Uh, they sold well during Christmas. I don't see people using them for podcasts. I don't know anyone who uses them for podcasts. Like, I mean, it, you know, you hear on you hear on the radio and stuff, like on NPR in the U.S., you can get your morning news from an, an Amazon Alexa smart speaker to say like, "Hey, Alexa, what's the news?" or whatever. And it will, I don't know, I have, I don't have one, so I don't know how to do it, but I guess you can configure it to sort of just like play you some news from different shows or something. I don't really know how it works. I mean, there's all these like set up different Alexa skills, skills, but I, I don't know. Yeah. This one for me fails the coffee shop test, which is. When I'm in a coffee shop and people and I ask people about podcasts, I don't hear anybody. Or if I overhear people talking about podcasts, uh, none of them are listening on smart speakers. They're saying, I listen to them when I jog. I listen to them when I walk the dog. I listen to them when I'm doing the dishes. But it's all in headphones. It's a still a very uh, intimate, personal, right. private thing. It's- you yeah. might listen to a podcast in the car yep. with somebody else, like on a long road trip. I have very rarely sat in a living room and listened to a podcast. Yeah. Usually, <laughs> if I'm going to use a smart speaker, which I don't because I don't have one, it probably would just be for music while I'm doing something else. Not, And I generally don't do other stuff while listening to a podcast unless it's running or something where I can still focus on it. Yeah, which actually brings up an idea which could leverage this the smart speakers, which is uh, a show called Listen Together, where the whole idea is you listen to it with your friends, like you invite your friends over, and there's times in the podcast where it says, okay, now just say pause so that you can discuss what we just talk- talked about, and then you <laughs> hit pause, and then you talk yeah. about it. So, you know, there could be some cool things that you could do with the tech, but I, I do not see it affecting podcasting there's some folks you know in the industry that are using all the the smart speaker sales to say oh this is going to be good for podcasting no it's going to be people asking about the weather and people listening to music it's it is not going to affect podcasting currently one percent of listenership is on smart speakers so i don't see it being big we've talked about this before We introduced the idea of podcasting being mindful technology. Um, Do you want to explain what we kind of meant by that when we were talking? Do you remember kind of our definition of mindful? Uh, I do, yeah. Um, Sort of the ability to 
well, podcasting is like you said, more of a private experience and it's, you're able to listen to it, um, sort of really give it your attention and, and ignore your phone, ignore, you know, your text. Um, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't require you to be addicted to the screen. Right. Like some platforms. Uh, it's also, it's more passive than most of the modern tech that we enjoy right now. And so I, I think we saw a trend, like Apple released uh, their smartphone stats. Uh, have you looked at yours? Did you turn that on, by the way? The um, Yeah, it's on. It gives me, randomly like notify me of something, but I don't, I haven't really. You haven't dug in? Mostly it's just Safari. Like I just oh, really? look at stuff on the web, yeah. And have you have your stats been going down or up? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I should check. So I mean, I think that that had that was interesting to actually be able to quantify how much time you're actually spending on the screen. But I think the next step is going to be uh, like a dumb phone mode. Hmm. Uh, so you've seen like there's the punked phone, which is like just all it can do is text and do phone calls. I think Apple, just like airplane mode, there will be a dumb phone mode where you can only have texting, phone calls, and GPS, and maybe selectively decide what other apps are active. But all the other apps will disappear from your home screen when this mode is enabled. Again, I think this could be good for podcasting because if if you, you know, you're like, you know what, I just want phone calls, GPS, and texts, and okay, I'll, I also want to be able to listen because podcasts typically aren't addictive, it's not the thing that people are trying to get away from. They're trying to get away from Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. What do you think about this? Do you think we're going to see this kind of move? Or I think so, yeah. I mean, it seems like Apple is at least aware of it more so than other the other companies. Um, it's weird because it sort of... It goes against, like, you know what they're trying to do, which is sell more stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> I think they probably have to try to walk a fine line. Um, but they, of all the companies, because they're not selling ads, yeah. ultimately what they want to do is increase, um, you know, they want to increase the enjoyment you get from the device. Right. Right. Yeah. I think, I think this is something we're going to see. I would personally, I would love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, my wife has looked at those dumb phones. It, ironically, most of those dumb phones, you still need a smartphone for them to work. And the idea is you buy the dumb phone and then you just leave, you leave your smartphone in your, you know, in your drawer. Oh, okay. And then you take th- this one out. So it makes way more sense for it to, you know, just be, just to be built into the phone uh, there's a good article in Fast Company that I will put in the show notes um, all about the dumb phone idea. The dumb phone movement. What uh, What else? In two, do you have any other things in 2019? Something you think uh, we'll see more of or less of? Or um, I think probably a continued movement by like traditional media. Well, maybe not traditional. I don't know if Netflix is traditional. Maybe they are now, but media companies looking to podcast for original content. Oh, yeah. Uh, Whereas, you know, before it was like, oh, let's find a book that's great and turn it into a movie or a TV show. Like, it's already happening with podcasts. I mean, yeah, like Homecoming, which I think is on Amazon. 
which was a pretty big hit, and that was an original podcast. Uh, that was a Gimlet show originally, right? It was right? a Gimlet show, yeah. Um, Interesting. And uh, there's a couple other ones. Um, but I feel well, there like was a- Alex Inc. that didn't do so well. That did but... not, no, that didn't do very So I think, you know, it, it's another another avenue for, you know, original creative content. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these, uh, you know, like Netflix is a huge media company now. Yeah. And they are just hungry for content. They've realized that original content is what's going to be really paying their bills. Mm-hmm. Like they are buying less third-party content. Yep. And you've got moves by Disney. You know, Disney wants to create their own streaming yeah. service. So, and I mean, right now on an Apple TV, you can search, you know, you can use the voice command and search for show and it'll search Netflix, Amazon Video, iTunes. So yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, they are so hungry for content. You're going to see way more of it coming from podcasts. Honestly, if I was Apple, this was one of my predictions, is that they're going to announce their own streaming service. Um, I think they're going to break iTunes apart on the desktop. I think there's going to be a big move there. I think they will. Uh, I mean, I think they kind of have to at this point to keep revenue growing, which is what they, you know, what their investors expect. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah. They want to do a big jump into services. And traditionally, they have not been great at that. No, like the the Apple, so the the TV stuff that they released on Apple Music. Yeah. Do you remember that? Right. They still, they keep, I keep reading stuff about them buying or like all these shows that they're producing and developing and like where are the where are these going to be released i guess on apple music but that doesn't make sense so i would yeah i would assume they'd split it off yeah they're going to split it off and honestly apple if you're listening hire john and i <laughs> there are so many things that they could bring like as original content from the podcasting world not just uh fiction but also like nonfiction talk shows and other things these are experienced people that have big audiences that would love to watch a show even if it's just talking heads discussing a topic and it's it's like it's fertile ground for them to get mm-hmm. content pretty cheap so i think there will be a big move here if apple is smart they will get in on this game they will start buying ip from podcasts both fictional and non-fictional so yeah i think that's definitely going to be a trend uh, we have uh dynamic content will continue to be bigger or will be bigger um outside of the advertising realm so currently a lot of podcasts use dynamic advertising to be inserted mm-hmm. um, a couple shows have played around with dynamic content in that it will change based on time of day you download it or where you download it from or, uh, you know, locally sourced news will get to you based on where you live. So I think that's probably some technology that uh, will continue to sort of be used for different purposes. Mm-hmm. And this is something we have on our roadmap for 2019. Uh, I want you folks to imagine that you do a segment and you know that the segment is, you know, it's it, it will expire. So maybe you're... Uh, talking about an event that's coming up, or maybe it's just it's a a topic that is of the moment but will not be interesting to folks in the future. Eventually, we want we want our users to be able to highlight those segments and say, "Okay, I want this piece of content to expire 
three months from now and Transistor will just automatically take that out and then, but the show continues to live on. You just don't, you don't have to do any more editing, manual editing. Uh, I think that could be really powerful for, you know, people making shows. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be one for sure. Uh, also on that front, uh, a couple more podcast specific ones. Uh, I think there will be a lot more live streaming of podcasts in 2019. The tools have gotten so much better. Um, we've seen big platforms like Twitch, uh, kind of mostly for gaming, but I think we'll, in 2019, you're going to see more folks outside of gaming doing live streaming. So already we're seeing programmers that are like live streaming their, you know, their coding sessions, you know, business people, designers, illustrators, and it just makes sense that eventually folks are going to want to listen to audio live and interact with the show. We've done this for this show here, and it is a a different experience. Um, It's not right for, you know, every episode or every show, but every once in a while, it's really refreshing to have your real listeners show up and interact as you're, you know, doing the show. So yeah, I think that'll become a bigger thing for sure. Related, and <laughs> some of this is John and I thinking about, you know, what, what kind of features are we actually going to build? But I think related, the, the, the biggest friction point with podcasting in terms of production is the editing. Uh, Marco Arment tweeted recently, it takes him two to three hours to edit the ATP show. Uh-huh. You know, when I edit the show, most of the time Chris Enns does it, but when I edit the show, it probably takes me, yeah, one to two hours. It's a pain. Yeah, it's a lot of work. Um, so you're saying you think that podcasting without editing will become more popular. No music, just recording it and publishing mm-hmm. it immediately. Yes. Uh, yeah, Maybe. I mean, I think you're still going to get, as long as you can keep the, somehow keep the quality high, audio quality and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it'll be right for every show. But one thing we've seen with video and live streaming is that for the live streamers, it's easy. They just hit record. They have to show up. They have to be entertaining. They have to be really good on the spot. And then they hit end record and that's it. And that, that piece of content is then searchable and watchable uh, even when it's not live. And so for some shows, I think that's what the host wants. Uh, Taylor Jackson is a good example of this for his photography show. He started just recording it into his iPhone and publishing it from there. And I think for platforms like Transistor, we're going to have to serve those customers that just want to be able to kind of go straight to tape and not have like even like editing the show notes and you know uh putting in all the fields and it it's cumbersome and i think for some shows and this is going to become more popular some folks are just going to want to be able to you know like if you're a ceo and you want to give your uh, weekly news update to your employees yeah i just want to like record it hit stop and then it automatically just publishes and, you know, maybe I have to put in a title, but that's it. Yeah, I think it's something to think about. I think there, the, the desire is there already. And it's kind of up to us and people like us to figure out how to make it happen. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Uh, yeah, so that that's pretty much it. Um, anything else you can think of? All sorts of predictions I could make about the U.S. political system, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so, folks... 
let us let us let us know what you think. What predictions do you think are going to kind of happen in podcasting, or it could be in tech or in business as well? Yeah. Um, you can tweet us if you want. We're at Transistor FM. I deleted Instagram from my phone, so if you want to reach us, maybe I'll check Instagram every, once in a while on the web. But Twitter is a good way. You can email us uh, shows at transistor.fm. You can leave us a voicemail, transistor.fm slash voicemail. Talking about voicemail, John, let's uh, let's end the show with some questions from listeners. All right. And then we have a few app updates. We do. Cool. Uh, yeah, first question here um, is for me, to me. How did you implement the team members functionality uh, in Transistor? Have, did you use a specific Ruby gem or did you roll it yourself? Um, would love to hear more about it. And that's from Roberto. It's uh, a good question. Um, it is sort of all hand-rolled. Um, pretty simple in that a show can have one or more team members attached to it. Uh, each team member is a, their own user record in our database with their own password and email. Um, and then that user account itself is then tied to uh, one or more shows via this team membership sort of like intermediary record in the database that just ties a show to a user. And also on that membership record has a specific role that's assigned to that person. So right now there's only two roles. There's basically like you're a member. Well, you can be a member, an owner, or an admin. Um, there's only one owner per show. You can upgrade members to admins and you can downgrade admins to members um, and it just affects um, sort of what they can do and what they can see so it kind of lets us uh, keep it open to other roles maybe there's like an editor role or a finance role or something else where it sort of limits what they can see and what they can do um, and then on top of that I did use a Ruby gem called pundit which is this authorization layer which you can sort of set up just sort of helps set up permissions um, for different roles so different team members can, you know, are allowed to add a new episode or delete an episode, whereas other team members are not. So it sort of just like puts all this logic into one central place. That's pretty much it. Uh, you know, you can invite team members, you can delete invitations, and team members um, have their own, like, invitation landing page or they can set their password mm -hmm. but, yeah yeah it was basically all hand roll i mean it's it's something that's you could certainly find a gem for but they're always like either they're just like try to do everything or they don't quite do what you want yeah is that is that kind of your your general kind of feeling towards gems if you can roll it yourself you will not really i mean it depends how small it is like the team member stuff is it's a sort of a small feature. I mean, the, anything I've used like never really has the whole like flow I want, which is like invite someone, send an email, they have their own page to sign up, or if they already have an account, they can confirm their password. But yeah, generally, like if there's a gem that does it really well, I'll I'll use it. But a lot of times, when you're dealing with something that is front end related as well, with which this is. Um, sometimes it's just easier to build it because it, it'll conform to more of your idea of how the interface should work. Yeah. So a lot, a lot of the gems that I use are just like stuff that's happening in the background. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that yeah, totally. So the next one is related to our big feature announcement. What is it, John? Uh, the, the feature announcement is that we did turn on uh, SSL for everyone. Um, and what that means is we did have SSL on the app itself for um, all your feeds and all your images and the dashboard were all encrypted with SSL. But now if you use a custom domain with your transistor website, you will also get SSL enabled for free. So everything within Transistor is encrypted um, over SSL and secure. Uh, that's been a long time coming. There's some, sort of some some false starts and investigations into other, there's a couple different ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's Jonathan's question. That is the question. Yeah, he said, <laughs> Jonathan says, awesome value you're adding with the SSL update. Congrats. Uh, we're looking to do this for our customers as well. If you have a minute, it would be super helpful to hear what steps you took, considering that Let's Encrypt, uh, which we used, caps each certificate at 100 domains. Uh, so that is true. So we used a service called Let's Encrypt, um, which is this, they started a couple of years ago, and they've been improving steadily and adding different types of certificates. It's basically a way to get free SSL um, with some you know manual setup that has to happen first. So you can have certificates from Let's Encrypt that actually encrypt multiple domains up to 100 per certificate. Um, but each time you add a, each time you add a new domain, you have to sort of update the, the certificate and add to it. And it does cap it at 100. That's not what we did. Um, we used a web server called Caddy, which I think we talked about before. Yeah. Uh, okay, we'll add a note to in our show notes, but I think it's caddyserver.com. It's written in Go, which is a language that is um, pretty interesting and fairly new and very fast. So what it does is it basically replaces, um, if, you've, if you've dealt with this stuff before, it replaces Apache or Nginx, which are other web servers. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically handles automated certificate generation and renewal um, through the web server itself. So anytime you get a request for, anytime someone points their custom domain to Transistor and our web server gets a request for a domain, um, Caddy hits hits an endpoint on our system and checks to see if that domain has been set on a show. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, and then if it, you know, if that request returns true that, you know, that domain is in our system, um, Caddy continues on to basically contact this Let's Encrypt service, pull down a certificate, store it locally. So the first request is maybe like a second or two. It takes a little time to generate it and get it back. After that, it's stored locally and it's served. Um, And then I think the certificates last for six months, but Caddy will automatically update them and keep them up to date and generate a new one. Um, Yeah, so that's what happens. It's it's pretty cool technology. I was a little bit wary at first if it was really production ready, mm-hmm. um, but I read a lot more about it and it just seems to be doing pretty well. They have they have nearly twenty thousand stars on GitHub. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot of stars. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, it, it's hard to say like who is using it mm-hmm. for what and what big like applications are using it. But um, it was actually you know pretty easy to set up. 
Um, I had a, I had a friend who did it similarly for another, um, service he's starting and he helped me out quite a bit, but yeah, it's pretty neat. Sweet. Cool. Well, it's been a big deal for our customers. Uh, there's a bunch of reasons you would want HTTPS on both your podcast website and your podcast feed. Podcast feeds have always been, uh, had SSL with the transistor, but now that we can offer the websites also, we can also serve the websites over HTTPS. Uh, it's good for Google search results. It's good. if It's good for a bunch of reasons. So, and the whole web is going this way. So now that we can do it for everybody, this is a pretty big deal. Like there's a lot of other podcast hosts that charge, well, you have to pay, uh, you have to pay for this on the side. So you have to order a certificate through GoDaddy or something. Yeah. And uh, so the fact that we were able to use Let's Encrypt and... and Yeah, and uh, people don't have to do anything. I mean, it's literally zero configuration for them. They just enter in their domain name in Transistor, set up their DNS to point to Transistor and that's it. Yeah, and I mean, it's done. It's done. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. Uh, anything else uh, in terms of app updates? Uh, related to SSL, I mean, there was a bunch of updates to our infrastructure and like how we deploy new code and how, how that's set up. Um, nobody should notice anything. It's just sort of extra resiliency on our end. Nice. So. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. Well, folks, thanks for listening. First episode of 2019. We are glad you're still here. If you haven't yet, leave us a review in iTunes. We haven't asked for one of those in a while. And I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You will not believe... I, I think our number... Yeah, we've got like... There's people supporting us yeah. here. There's it, there, This helps us pay for Chris to edit the show. And we are super thankful to these people. We have Colin Gray. He's with Alitu.com. Darby Frey. Samori Augusto. Dave Young, Brad from Canada, Kevin Markham, Sammy Schuchert, Brand Shouter, Mike Walker, Adam Duvander, and say it with me, Dave Junta, and also podcastinsights.com. Thanks to everybody, and we will see you next episode. Thanks, everyone. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.